Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture, back from the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa. Hope you enjoyed our coverage the past three days. Did see a combine going in the field around Palmyra, Missouri, as I was making my way back yesterday afternoon. That's a site we'll be seeing a lot more of here very, very soon. Well, coming up on our program today, we're going to get reaction from the National Milk Producers Federation to uh, what's going on with trade talks, as well as the Ag Aid package for dairy. What does National Milk think of the Ag Assistance Plan? We'll talk with Tom Slate. President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. His thoughts on the NAFTA negotiations, what he's hearing from our customers. And yesterday while I was at the Farm Progress Show, I spent some time with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. Asked Richard if he'd come on with us today to explain how they're going to handle, because FSA will administer the Ag Assistance uh, Package. He'll explain how that will work. So that's coming up a little bit later on in the program. Well, speaking of that ag assistance package, want to get some reaction from the pork industry. Joining us now is the economist for the National Pork Producers Council, Dustin Baker. Dustin, thanks for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. All right. Um, first of all, tell us about uh, the pork industry's reaction to what the administration's plan is for uh, helping pork producers uh, because of losses due to the trade tensions and trade wars. Sure. Well, we were very appreciative of the administration's um, extension of help to the American agriculture industry, especially the pork purchases of five hundred and fifty-nine billion dollars that are or million dollars that are outlined as part of the food purchase and distribution program. Now, in addition to the food purchases, uh, hog producers are also included in the market facilitation program. Uh, where those who have ownership interest in hogs on August 1st will be eligible for payments of uh, up to 50% of their inventory times $8 per hog. So I think it definitely is a recognition from the administration of the hurt that our producers have been going through. Um, But first and foremost, our number one priority remains ending the trade disputes with Mexico and China. There have been questions, and in some cases complaints, about the formula used to come up with those numbers as far as the assistance is concerned, especially I know corn growers were not real happy with it. Secretary Purdue this week at the Farm Progress Show saying uh, that's the formula they needed to go with uh, for WTO reasons and other reasons as well and and felt that was uh, the best way they could go. Uh, Does the pork industry feel it was a fair uh, accounting of losses or uh, a fair attempt to help with the uh, losses occurred uh, by pork producers through all this? Well, I think the bottom line is these payments are not going to make any of our producers whole. Uh, at the very best, it's a short-term solution for those who will be receiving payments. Um, but again, our focus remains on uh, fixing these trade relationships that we have with Mexico and China, two of our largest markets. Uh, right now, 40% of our exports are facing retaliatory tariffs, so we really have to focus on those and, and get those lifted in order to be able to continue to compete on a level playing field with the rest of the world. So you were no doubt encouraged about the U.S.-Mexico portion of NAFTA. Have you seen any details on that? Uh, are you liking what you see there? We 
were definitely encouraged by the news that came out of the administration on Monday. Uh, very pleased with that. We're waiting on details, uh, but the bottom line is that the U.S. pork industry is one of America's strongest export products, and our again, our number one goal is to restore those trading relationships. Um, despite the announcement on Monday of a agreement in principle, the tariffs remain in place, and we would expect Mexico to remove these tariffs as soon as the U.S. removes tariffs on steel and aluminum imports from Mexico. So there's still a ways to go there, um, but definitely it's a positive sign and potentially some momentum going forward. And, of course, we're waiting to see, perhaps even today, uh, what happens with Canada when it comes to NAFTA. But I know, uh, Dustin, you're watching a lot of these other issues, such as with China. Yeah, absolutely. Um, China is one of our largest uh, export markets as well. Um, you know, we're hoping to have some sort of swift resolution there, which is our number two or three market, depending on how you how you measure it. So, uh, we're definitely uh, our producers can outcompete any other producer in the world um, with high quality, nutritious products. It's just a matter of being able to compete in those markets on a level playing field. So, given where we're at with the markets, with the trade situation, and now you. Fit- factor in what assistance your pork producers will get uh, uh, in the aid package. Uh, what is the economic outlook right now for the pork industry? What is your assessment of where it's at and uh, looking into now as we move into the month of September? Sure. Well, that's a good question. Uh, we know that we're in the midst of record pork production in 2018, coming off of a record year in 2017. So we knew that we were going to have an awful lot of product coming to the market. Uh, beginning of the year, it appeared as though our producers would be making money, um, you know, marginal marg- or modest profits anyway. Um, that situation changed given the trade environment. The, the trade uh, markets are extremely important for our producers' bottom line, where we export over a quarter of production and it added about $50 per head marketed last year. So um, we're, we're coming, coming, coming into a seasonal low in prices heading into the fall uh, like we normally do, but hopefully we can have those export markets restored to normal uh, and be able to continue to ship products across the world. What is the situation, Dustin, in China with African swine fever, and what? how does that affect the, this dynamic as far as would it, even with the trade issues, cause them to go ahead and buy more from the U.S., or will they look elsewhere? What is that situation? Well, there's definitely a lot of unknowns surrounding the disease environment in China. Uh, NPPC has been working closely with other stakeholders in the industry and with USDA in order to uh, get a hold of the situation and try to ensure that it does not uh, find its way here. Uh, potentially, sure, it could open up opportunities for us moving forward uh, to be able to ship more over there, but at this point it seems pretty early, uh, probably too early to tell what the long-term implications will be. So right now, the best news for pork producers would be get these trade deals done, do away with these tariffs and and retaliations, and get back to moving product, right? Absolutely. Get back to business as normal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, normal. Wow, that that seems to be elusive these days. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) hopefully we can get there soon. Thanks a lot, Dustin. Appreciate you being with us. Yep, thank you very much for having me. All right, take care. Dustin Baker, economist for the National Pork Producers Council. All right. So a little bit later on, again, we'll be talking with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. FSA, 
The Farm Service Agency will be administering the Ag Assistance Package, and uh, Richard will explain how that will work, what farmers need to do. That's coming up a little bit later on in the program. Also coming up, Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, his reaction to what's going on with NAFTA, and what is he hearing from our customers, our buyers of grains all around the world, especially what are they hearing from China. But coming up next, the National Milk Producers Federation, not completely happy with the ag assistance package, as we'll take a look at the dairy portion of that plan and how it impacts dairy producers and what they want to see moving forward, especially with trade as we wait to see what Canada does in these NAFTA negotiations. Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation will be joining us coming up next. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. The fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of... Yellow? Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. 
That's right, get 50% off the four-pack of two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. To order, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Call 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. This week at the Farm Progress Show, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue defended the Ag Assistance Package, saying that was the formula that they uh, almost had to go with, and they they felt that was the right way to go, the best way they could go. But uh, certainly there are producers not happy with the uh, plan. Let's talk now with Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. Chris, thanks for joining us. How does uh, the dairy industry feel about the package for dairy producers? Well, I think a lot of us in agriculture, Mike, were expecting a bigger overall pie. And certainly when you look at the dairy slice of the pie or the dairy piece, it's quite slim. So we are disappointed with the amount of direct assistance that is being provided, at least at this stage, from USDA. Secretary Purdue kind of insinuated that uh, they had to follow this pattern, uh, this, uh, this formula to avoid WTO conflicts, uh, but you feel there's more that could have been done for dairy? Yeah, so just to put things in perspective, Mike, what the USDA tariff mitigation package incorporates is a 12 cent per hundredweight payment on uh, half of a farm's production history. So that amounts to about a penny per gallon for dairy farmers, and they're going to use either their uh, milk uh, margin protection program, milk production history, or they'll have to create a new one. But you know, it's just not a lot of money. It's $127 million. Now, we estimated that if you looked at where the cash markets were for cheese and butter and where the futures markets were earlier in the summer before these retaliatory tariffs went into place on the part of China and Mexico, uh, if you look at the before and the after, the drop-off in the futures markets uh, that is significantly larger than what the USDA calculated. Uh, we actually saw a research report released earlier this week by Informa Economics. It was commissioned by the U.S. Dairy Export Council that also quantified the damage, and it's certainly over $1 billion. So $127 million compared to a billion plus, obviously there's a great disparity there. Now, earlier, USDA had announced they'd be purchasing uh, some dairy products but it made it clear that was separate from this. Do you think, though, that had something to do with how they wound up kind of figuring, well, you got that as well, and so maybe that uh, somehow figured into what they came up with for you in, in this formula? Uh, honestly, I hope that's not part of the calculation. We had been clear, Mike, that we did not think that the best way to help farmers was to do direct uh, was to do product purchases. Rather, the best way is to provide direct payments. That's the easiest and quickest way to get money in the bank accounts of farmers. The uh, product purchases, the USDA announced earlier this month, $50 million worth. That's maybe 15 million gallons of milk. That's not really a whole lot. Now, the uh, trade assistance package announced on Monday, they said they are going to purchase an additional $85 million worth of products. We don't know yet if that's going to be just 
fluid or bottled milk, if it will involve maybe cheese or yogurt. But when you spend that money over time, the effects tend to get kind of washed out. So while it's helpful a little bit, it's certainly not the type of impact that we were hoping for in terms of the overall assistance package. We're talking with Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation. Of course, Chris, all this is supposedly to not only help uh, from the producers from what they've lost, but uh, to get by till we get these new deals done. Now, uh, on the mm-hmm. NAFTA front, we have something it looks like now with Mexico, but now waiting to see what Canada does. Uh, what are you hearing on that? Well, what's happening right now is that they are engaged in some very uh, high-level negotiations, and dairy access from the U.S. into Canada is, if not the top issue, certainly it's in the top two or three issues that have to be resolved. So we want to be optimistic, but we've been disappointed in the past with the way this issue has been ultimately resolved. Uh, But we are confident that we have made our case with U.S. negotiators and, importantly, with the Canadians that they need to lighten up. They need to stop engaging in these protectionist tactics that impede our ability to sell dairy products north of the border and uh, adding insult to injuries, what Canada did uh, earlier, well, I guess it was starting last year, Mike, where they imposed this new Class 7 pricing program, which allows them to dump milk proteins at fire sale prices and and take markets away from the U.S. So these are flagrantly anti-competitive practices and exactly the type of things that free trade agreements are designed to eliminate or at least greatly reduce. So if, if we're going to have a successful NAFTA negotiation, from our humble perspective, you need to do some things to rein in what Canada does with dairy policy. There are some already predicting that what we'll finally wind up with, basically as far as any uh, uh, give from uh, Canada when it comes to dairy, will be pretty much what we would have gotten had we uh, gone ahead and stayed in TPP. If that is the case, would that be satisfactory to the U.S. dairy industry, or would you feel that's uh, uh, not a not a significant win? Well, we want to make certain that we give the negotiators time to work here, Mike. Uh, one of the things we have to be cautious about is not overreacting to some of these earlier anonymous reports of the last few days where Canada is talking about what they might offer in terms of market access. We want to be certain that if that's a lowball offer that uh, we don't uh, jump at that saying that, oh, this is a really truly valuable concession and we're making progress when they're just offering sort of an initial lowball negotiating tactic or negotiating offer. So uh, we want to see some real progress here. I have been saying for many in agriculture, for a lot of different segments of agriculture, it would be a win just to get back to where we were before all this started with Mexico and Canada. But that that's really, I guess, not necessarily the case when it comes to dairy because uh, you ne- dairy was one of the areas that needed more improvement than, than the other some of the other areas of agriculture when it came to NAFTA. Well, certainly. When you look at the NAFTA agreement, we have had a very good relationship with Mexico, It's our number one export market, and so 24 years ago when NAFTA was signed, it did really invoke a new day in terms of the relationship between the U.S. dairy sector sector and Mexico's consumers. Now, one of the things that's happened here more recently, uh, not related at all to what the Trump administration has done with renegotiating NAFTA, is that Mexico also... Uh, engaged in and negotiated a free trade agreement with the European Union. 
And even though the U.S. is not part of that agreement, uh, Europe asked for concessions uh, from Mexico regarding common food names, what are called geographical indications, uh, and that could have negative long-term consequences for U.S. food producers, especially cheesemakers, because they may not be able to sell cheeses uh, in Mexico under terms that Europe demanded. And so that was something that uh, we are very concerned with. Uh, we are waiting to see the details of this broad agreement that the Trump administration announced Monday with Mexico, because that's the type of thing that uh, we need to make certain what, uh, what Mexico has done or not done regarding access for our cheeses to Mexico as, as part of this agreement. So it just goes to show you that uh, it's not just even the one-on-one or one-on-two agreements that certain countries agree to. It's all their other agreements with other countries or other blocks like the European Union that also can affect America's farmers. Yeah, you don't operate in a vacuum. All this uh, impacts everything else. I mean, it's all intertwined. Now, you bring up a good point. We right. don't know the details of the deal with Mexico. We've heard that they have one. So we don't know yet, right, uh, Chris, whether there were big gains for agriculture or we were well, where we I mean, were or what? I, I can't speak. Yeah, Mike, I can't speak to how other agricultural commodities view things, uh, but from from dairy's perspective, while we're encouraged that we're actually making progress and we're not falling backwards and not seeing the whole thing blow up, uh, we are interested in knowing some more specifics that we don't have right now, and that's why we haven't really, uh, when asked, people say, well, do you love it, do you hate it, how do you feel? And our answer's been, well, we need to see a lot more details before we have any sort of reaction positively or negatively i think we're also starved for good trade news that the we kind of jump at the, the, the any possibility of good news you know we, okay there's a handshake a deal handshake agreement handshake deal but we don't know the details right. but we just assume that Absolutely. that's going to be a positive right so so we're hopeful well, I, I think what people are reacting to is the fact that when it looked like the whole NAFTA agreement would implode, we stepped back from the precipice, and it looks like uh, you know, Mexico recognized the importance of coming to an agreement with the U.S. We have that in principle, although, again, we need to see a lot more of the details before we know exactly what it means for dairy and for other sectors of the economy as well. And the other good news, then, is that I think Canada perhaps was a little caught off guard that uh, the U.S. was going to come to terms with Mexico, and now that puts additional pressure on Canada to come back to the table, which is happening right now even as you and I speak, uh, to to negotiate the remaining details of the U.S.-Canada situation. So, again, progress is good, but we don't know what the ultimate deal is, and so we can't really say it's going to be a good deal until we know those uh, outcomes. Yep, a lot of moving parts still. We'll keep a close eye on them and uh, see what uh, shakes out here. Chris, thank you very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Mike. Have a good weekend. Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. All right, coming up next, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, Tom Slate. What does he think of these uh, NAFTA negotiations and where we're at? And what is he hearing from customers around the world, especially in China? That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. Immediately, that's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In cattle futures on this Friday, we've got a narrow mix in live cattle futures, about a dime on either side of steady as traders await cash news. Asking prices expected to be restated on this Friday, right around 111 to 112 on a live basis in the south. Bids expected around 107. In feeder cattle, we're a dime to 62 cents lower. Lean hog futures after Thursday's losses rallying on this Friday, a dollar twenty to two dollars and sixty-five cents higher. Net pork export sales last week jumping to over twenty-nine thousand metric tons, up nine percent from the previous week, two percent above the prior four-week average. Spot October hogs took it on the chin yesterday, closing below fifty bucks per hundred weight for the first time since early August. In the grain and oil seed sector on this Friday, soybean futures an hour into the trading day, five to six and a fraction higher. The short-term trend still said to be negative. Sellers jumped on yesterday's intraday strength using 844 and three quarters as a selling spot. A solid close below 826 and a quarter could open the door to a new selling wave. That is the contract low for November. New crop December corn, four higher an hour into the day at 360 and a half. We see minor support at 355 and a quarter, 10-day moving average at 365. For the wheats, six to nine higher in Chicago, around a nickel better in Kansas City, dime higher in Minneapolis spring wheat. On Wall Street, the Dow is up 30 points. October crude oil in New York down 37 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we continue to do a lot of waiting on these trade issues, waiting to see what happens with Canada. Do they get back into NAFTA? Uh, waiting to get details on what was worked out between the U.S. and Mexico. Let's talk about it with Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Tom, thanks for joining us. Um, what's your initial reaction to the U.S.-Mexico deal? Well, Mike, hang on a second. I'm looking over towards USTR to see if there's any smoke coming out of the chimney <laughs> there. Um, no. Um, in terms of the, of the Mexico deal, Mike, uh, it, it is what we wanted in terms of the crops that we represent, you know, corn, sorghum, and barley. For agriculture, it was good. It was the do-no-harm principle is in place. They had some good things there on biotechnology that we wanted to see and on sanitary, phytosanitary uh, restrictions that we wanted to see. There's still a couple of question marks on a couple of the elements here in terms of the investor state investor-state dispute settlement process uh, and sort of the you know, general dispute settlement process that we've been watching very closely called Chapter 19. Those are really fuzzy. We're not sure what's going on with that, but overall it's what we wanted to see because the tariffs are still zero. Access to the Mexican market is still strong. I guess my question throughout this has been how much of a gain did we get or did we get back to pretty much where we were? I think, Mike, the, the gain is going to be looking at what I just talked about. The biotech uh, chapter uh, is, is, you know, 21st century, uh, and it includes things like gene editing, you know, a process to solve those, any kind of disputes that come up with that on biotech or gene editing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's state-of-the-art 21st century agreement when it comes to biotech. And a dispute settlement process on sanitary, phytosanitary uh, is, is important because we do have issues from time to time, and it sets forth a framework to how to resolve these issues without becoming, uh, you know, huge problems. So those are the pluses. The big plus, though, is the zero duty. Of course, now we wait and see what happens with Canada. Yeah, yeah, like I say, we're all playing that game here in Washington, uh, you know, hour by hour. We're not really sure, you know, there's dribs and drabs of information coming out. Uh, you know, we think... Canada will come to some sort of agreement if the past is any instructor. This is sort of a, a typical what they do, wait till the last minute. But um, we will see. Talking with Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Well, so we seem to be getting closer to an after deal. That does not seem to be the case, though, with China. What are you hearing there? Yeah, China, you know, when you talk to the folks in the administration, they always say, you know, it's going to be a long haul, a long haul. But the, the reality is, though, there is uh, conversations uh, taking place. There were uh, sort of low-level negotiations last week or low-priority negotiations last week. Not a lot of uh, progress or not any progress, really. But the fact is that they're talking is important to me in terms of how we watch this. I mean, at least they're talking. They're not shutting the door. Uh, in fact, we're actually going to be having some interactions uh, with some high-level Ministry of Agriculture officials here uh, right after Labor Day. So the conversations are continuing. That's the good news. But everybody, you know, warns that it's going to be a long haul, long, a long negotiation. What are you hearing from your people in China? I, you know, they're sort of saying uh, trying to keep business as usual, but it's tough. 
I think there's a lot of rhetoric about, uh, you know, China is very able to endure the pain. You hear that phrase a lot about enduring the pain and, and making adjustments to feed rations, uh, particularly on protein. Um, you know, we're trying to keep, a, you know, a good dialogue going with them on things like, uh, you know, particularly on, on ethanol, on, on biofuels and air pollution and water pollution. We're still having conversations, still talking about agricultural policy. Um, you know, again, I think there's a little bit of tension there, but not, not uh, onerously so. We've talked a lot here on the show today about the ag assistance package, ag aid, if you will, trade aid. Um, part of that, the establishment of the Agricultural Trade Program, ATP. Tell us about that. Well, you know, Mike, this is kind of exciting, really. I mean, this is a uh, one-time surge into uh, international market development. Uh, we've been talking, I've been talking with uh, USDA officials almost every day this week about it. In fact, we're having uh, a program, a kind of an education program on the, on the, uh, on the ATP program uh, right after lunch today. So for us, uh, it is a chance to unleash creativity. We've, we've always had projects that have sort of hit the cutting room floor. There's lots we can do. Uh, we want to be innovative. Uh, the Grains Council is going to be uh, Getting our, we've had our folks around the world putting on their thinking caps, getting their best and most creative ideas to hit the market and hit the market fast. We, you know, the program is intended to have, uh, I'd say, a one to two year impact. Uh, things that can have an impact uh, within a couple of three years, and that's how we're going to uh, address it, and we're going to hit it hard. So you plan to submit an application for funds from this program. What types of projects do you think uh, we could see from this? Well, I think you're going to see a variety of projects, at least from the council's point of view. Obviously, ethanol is going to be a big part of it. Uh, we'd like to have a, a bigger, broader project to address uh, concerns on biotechnology. We want to have some market uh, exploration-type projects in places where we don't have a lot of lot going on, particularly uh, looking at a little bit in Africa. We want to expand on some su- success we have in the Middle East, and we really want to uh, get add to momentum we have going on in South Asia, South Asia meaning India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, uh, Bangladesh, uh, Myanmar, places like that. And of course, uh, Southeast Asia is going to figure in Latin America. I mean, all around the world, really, but uh, we're going to focus a lot of activity on trade policy issues, ethanol, and uh, you know what we call turning over rocks, You know, looking for new markets. We're talking with Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Tom, Throughout all of this uh, with trade, the question has been, and the concern has been, how much long-term damage have we done? How much of the door have we opened that that has allowed other competitors into markets that would uh, lower our our percentage of uh, that market share? Uh, And some of that that might not just go away when deals are struck, it's going to have a long-term lasting impact. What's your assessment of that? It's a, it's a tough question to answer today, Mike, because right now the U.S. is so competitive on price. Uh, you know, again, you have drought conditions in a lot of our competing, uh, comp- competitors. That's, that's making countries uh, really look strongly to the U.S. You know, again, there's sort of a tension about when we have some of these uh, interchanges with our customers. They're always asking me, what's going on with the U.S. trade policy? You know, can you explain this to us? Um, that's always a challenge. I think there's a lot of goodwill there, but um, there has been some erosion. Uh, but it, right now we're competitive, 
So right now we're, we're, we're making sales both in ethanol and in corn. Um, but, you know, I, I, there is a little bit of tension there that we have to continue to work through. It's important for the folks that work with Grains Council around the world to be con- consistently talking to our customers, reassuring them that the U.S. farmer is, wants to be there as a, a reliable supplier for their needs. And we should make the point that even though it's harder in some cases than it was, we are still making sales around the world. Exactly. Uh, particularly in Mexico, where we've been enjoying 100% market share for about five months running uh, and at record volumes. So if would you identify for us what you think are some key markets, potential key markets around the world that could emerge and, and become better uh, and significant markets, maybe not as big as China, obviously, but could be significant markets for U.S. growers? Well, we're, we're, we're looking at India really hard, but I think more short-term, we're looking more towards Southeast Asia, Vietnam, the Philippines on ethanol, Indonesia, places like that, and stronger uh, sales going on into Mexico, Colombia, uh, places like that. that that's our, our biggest uh, hopes. We're actually maybe trying to see if we get a little bit of a stronger push into Western Europe, a place where we haven't had a lot of success here lately, because I think we can perhaps uh, find some openings there with some if the EU and the United States start to relax some of the tariffs there. But, um, you know, that the final one I'll mention would be, again, uh, the Middle East and North Africa. That That's really looking great uh, for us. We're very competitive right now with the Black Sea. There are some weather challenges in some of those uh, competitive places around the world uh, that may diminish their production. Could that open some doors for us in the short term? It is right now. That's what you're seeing, Mike, in uh, Saudi Arabia for sure. We are very competitive. The you know Black Sea uh, origination is having a tough time. Uh, we're extending our, com- our competitiveness in our, our loyal markets, our big loyal markets, Japan, Korea, Taiwan. Uh, right now is when you'd start to see a little bit of erosion, but uh, market share is holding strong and actually improving in all three of those big uh, loyal markets, Japan, Korea, Taiwan. So we're, we're in a good position. I think that the, the problem with this is I think farmers would like to see a little higher prices, uh, but, the, but the current prices are very competitive, and, and customers are responding to that. In addition, they're responding to that on ethanol as well. All right, Tom, thank you very much, and uh, we'll stay in touch as uh, these uh, trade deals hopefully continue to uh, progress and we have more news to talk about. Thank you very much. I'll go back up and look at the chimney here. Okay, check for the smoke. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. (laughs) Take care, Mike. Uh, Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. So today we've heard from uh, the Grains Council, we've heard from the National Milk Producers Federation and the National Pork Producers Council on the ag assistance. Earlier this week at the Farm Progress Show, we talked with leaders from uh, the National Corn Growers. They're not real happy with what was announced. Uh, And we heard from the American Soybean Association. They're the happiest, it would seem, of all the groups. uh, uh, They got the biggest share of that ag assistance pie. Well, FSA, Farm Service uh, Agency, is going to be the uh, uh, ones that will be handling this, will be facilitating the ag assistance. How will it work? What do farmers need to do? We're going to talk with the FSA Administrator, Richard Fordyce, coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the runway? You know, the fun. Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Hey, Ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. If weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of yellow. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio. You're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh, my. I read that wrong. <laughs> They can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, yesterday at the Farm Progress Show, I, I ran into uh, Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator, former Missouri Director of Agriculture. Uh, we were on the stage together uh, along with Max Armstrong at the Farm Progress Show, and Richard uh, explained how uh, the Farm Service Agency is going to administer this Ag Assistance package, and so I asked him to be on with us today, and he said, yeah, great, he's he's going to be home in Missouri uh, still today and into the weekend, but now he's tied up, so we're going to have to, hopefully, he's going to be able to get, he is with us, great, I was afraid it wouldn't work out, but Richard, you're there? I am, how are you, Mike? Excellent, hey, great, I know you're busy. Good to see you yesterday. Thanks for being on with us today. You gave a great explanation of how this is going to work yesterday, and I wanted to get that on for our listeners today. So this Ag Assistance Package, which uh, FSA, your agency, is going to uh, administer, how will it work? What do producers need to do? Well, uh, sign-up will begin and can begin on September 4th. Uh, however, a producer uh, doesn't need to immediately come in. Uh, in order uh in order for us to be able to calculate a payment, uh, we'll, we'll need to know production numbers. So, for example, in the Midwest, if you're a corn or soybean producer, um, we will have to have your production numbers. So we'll have to wait till after harvest. On the other hand, however, if you're a dairy producer or a pork producer, um, you could come into the office, you know, around September 4th to come in and, and give production um on, on the pig part of the program, it's number of head, and on the dairy part of the program, it is uh, production. So production, historical production from numbers that we have through the margin protection program, and dairy producers will be very aware of that. Uh, but the other grain commodities, again, will need production. So how this will work is we've set rates. Um, we've set rates on five crop commodities and two livestock commodities, dairy and pork. And the, the numbers will go toward 50% of your production. So a producer doesn't have to come in and elect that payment. They don't have to make a decision. Uh, if they decide to participate in the program, they are covered under that first uh, under those first payment numbers for 50% of their production. And then on or about December 3rd, uh, the secretary will make a decision based on 
you know, what we've seen happen, you know, on the, on the global trade front and, and run the model again. Uh, the, the chief economist for USDA has a model uh, that they run to determine what these payment levels are and what the impact of trade disruptions are on each individual commodity. So on or about December 3rd, we'll run the model again, and that will determine what the second 50% of the payment will be. There may be a payment on some commodities. There may not. Um, those payment rates may change depending on, on what we know and, and what the model tells us of the trade impact on those individual specific commodities. When would be the soonest that a producer would receive a check? So if you're a dairy producer or a pork producer um, and a, maybe a wheat grower, uh, so wheat harvest is primarily finished across the country, you know, you bring in those numbers uh, that the staff in the, in the local FSA offices will need to calculate that first 50%, and that could come out pretty quickly. Um, you know, I don't know. They're probably, from the, time, uh, from the time the form is filled out, you know, the production numbers are entered, we know the payment rate, and calculate that across the form, you know, probably a week or so after they have uh, after they've completed that portion. Uh, and so, Mike, there's another part of this, I think, that, that I've been asked a lot of questions about, and that is, do you need to come in, if, so let's say you're a pork producer and a corn and soybean uh, producer, do you need to come in multiple times? Well, you do, if you want that initial payment on, on, your, on your number of head of pigs, uh, you would want to come in, you know, fairly early. But uh, on the corn and soybean part of that, you could come in after harvest, bring your numbers in, and um, and then that would then then we would be able to calculate the first fifty percent of that payment. So it's one form. Um, you know, producers would come in at, at whatever point they come in and, and elect. But that is one decision I guess they'll have to make is, is what commodities do they want to participate in. But um, but but producers could come in just once, and that's after harvest, or uh, a more diversified operation may have to come in uh, if they want those checks earlier. Come in uh, maybe another time. We're talking with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator, about the Ag Assistance uh, Package and how that will be handled. Richard, I had a question today uh, from a from uh, someone who wanted to know, will beans that are certified for seed, will they qualify for assistance? So it is based on 2018 production. So, you know, we want to make this, uh, we want to make this program fairly straightforward. And so if it is 2018 production, then yes, they would qualify. All right. Um, now, I know yesterday when we were at the Farm Progress Show, uh, you were making it clear that the, you, uh, your agency administers this program. Obviously, you didn't come up with the, the formula or the plan. What are you hearing, though, from producers, especially in your home state of Missouri? Well, um, you know, the corn producers are, you know, they're not terribly happy about the one penny. And uh, I actually uh, I actually owe Gary Marshall a call. I'm going to give him a call later today about, you know, how those how those numbers came up, came about. And there are, as you know, um, you know, there are lots of forces at work in the market, supply and demand, the size of the crop. Obviously, USDA has estimated that the crop is, larger than the earlier estimates, both on the corn and soybean side as well. Um, and and so, so the model literally takes a look at what is the impact of retaliatory tariffs uh, that, that were levied against uh, certain commodities, 
And then what is the market share or what is the volume of that, of that export going to the country that had uh, issued those tariffs? And so in the case of corn, for example, you know, we just don't ship a lot of corn to China. China is the one that, that, that really has the largest tariff impact on U.S. production. And not a lot of, not a lot of bushels are going um, to China. And, and, and the, the tariff doesn't affect corn nearly like it does soybeans. Obviously, um, we export in this country over 50% of our soybean production. And of that 50% uh, volume that's exported, China has been about a 60% buyer of our exports. So, it is, right. so, so the impact is enormous on soybeans, not so much on corn. All right, Richard, uh, thank you for coming on, being with us. I'd love to have you back on again, and we'll talk more about this. Can we do that again in the future? Hey, take take care. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Richard. Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. Thanks for joining us. Have a great holiday weekend, everyone.